0: We are back on On the Sideline Q102 podcast. Lindsay Patterson without Molly Watson this week, but I had to bring in one of my favorites in the broadcasting, communication, radio, you name it business. You'll see him over at Game Day Communications, Rich Wahlberg. Rich, how you doing?
1: Doing well. Thanks so much for thinking of me and inviting me on.
0: Of course. You're one of the OGs. Definitely someone who <laughs> I met in this business, which is crazy to think. I, I've actually been on the, the broadcasting radio side for 10 years now, and a decade goes fast in this business. But yeah, I think yeah. the biggest thing, obviously talking to anyone in broadcasting or communications, why did you get in, into this business?
1: I, I started when I was probably five or six years old just loving listening to the radio when I was in the car with my mom or dad. And then at the kitchen table, when we had breakfast, we always had Jim Scott on in the morning and just loved listening. And I decided then that that's what I wanted to do. And then something really big happened. In the late 70s, there was this TV show called WKRP in Cincinnati. So there was this radio station on TV in my hometown. And that's when I really decided that's that I wanted to be Andy Travis or one of those guys.
0: So this was like a game plan from when you were a kid, because that's one of my favorite things to hear. I think a lot of people, and that's what you get asked all the time. I remember being in junior high or high school and we would have career day and and everyone would be like, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I would tell them, I obviously wanted to work in broadcasting and everyone else would, I feel like had normal uh, career paths where they was like, I just want to be a teacher. I want to do this. And which would have probably been a game plan, easier game plan for me. Um, but but did anybody ever tell you, ah, you're not going to be able to do that? That's that's a crazy dream. How are you going to do that?
1: My high school counselor told me, there's no way you'll ever get a job in radio. It's a very tough field. You'll never get in. You should get a job in math. And I have no idea why math. I'm not that great at it. Never liked it that much. But yeah, my high school counselor told me that. And that, that did nothing but... Uh, give me more inspiration to want to do it. And I was in the business for 25 years. So I think I did okay.
0: You did okay. And and you've worn different hats. I mean, obviously you work in the Mm -hmm. communication side right now. You work in the broadcasting side too with other broadcasters out there. You have the radio experience. I want to go back a little bit. What did you love about radio?
1: Well, when I first got into it, I thought I was going to be on the air and I would play music And my my first job, which didn't last very long, was at 97X in Oxford, you know, 97X BAM, the future of rock and roll. Uh, And I worked overnights on the weekends there and and loved doing it, just wasn't that great at it. And then found an opportunity at Q102, like three or four months into it, and took that job. And that's where I started writing for... uh, I used to have the Q102-minute newscast on the Q Morning Zoo. And Pam Hall did the broadcast, and I was writing her newscast so she could be on the air and be a sidekick. And that's really where I learned how to write in, like, two or three sentences each story and condense everything. And I don't think I answered your question. But, yeah, I got into it because I wanted to be on the air and play music. And then I ended up being behind the scenes and writing news, and then eventually working for a news talk station for 18 years. So it didn't work out the way I thought it would, but I still had a heck of a lot of fun.
0: I think one of the things that people don't realize with radio and just being in the radio field and and television experience is how difficult radio is. I mean, in TV, you have to have two to three minutes of sports or you talk for 30 seconds. If that, you get a lot of TV time, but radio, I mean, when you have to fill the air for a certain amount of time from a newscast to news, sports talk, it makes it pretty difficult. Was that a really hard learning experience for you when you first started out?
1: Well, I was i was working in music radio when I first started out. So we were talking 10 or 20 seconds and then, you know, 97X throwing it to a Tracy Chapman song or something like that. And then at Q102, when I was there, we actually had a rule that you could not talk longer than 10 seconds going into a record. And, and everybody wanted to hit the post in a record and and for those who don't know what that is, that's when either the vocal starts or when something, you know, there's a special beat that's hit at the beginning of the intro of a song and you want to make sure you hit that, you know, right before, right before the singing starts where you would say, you know, it's 78 degrees at Q102 and then the music, you know, the vocals start right then. So we had a, we had a rule though, that you could not, not talk longer than 10 seconds because it, we were about playing more music and playing the hits.
0: 10 seconds in radio is a long time. It is a long time. But to answer,
1: to answer your question about talk radio, and I, I was not on the air other than in the mornings for two minutes at a time, but somebody that you and I both worked for, Daryl Parks, he used to say, you know, you have to go on the air prepared to talk for three or four hours because you might not get any phone calls and you may not you know, assume that everything's going to break and it's just you and you have to talk for three or four hours. And that's a lot. If you're not Bill Cunningham, that's a lot.
0: I think one of the OGs and someone that you're familiar with, and I think anybody in Cincinnati radio will remember him, Jim Scott. Oh, and right. obviously having that experience with him, what are some stories that are safe for this podcast <laughs> that you can talk about with Jim Scott?
1: Well, well, as I told you, I grew up, that's who I listened to growing up when he was on Uh, 1360 WSAI. And so then to have the opportunity to work with him was very cool. And I was producer of his executive producer of a lot of shows at WLW, but mostly most of my work and most of what I loved doing was working on his show. And early on, Jim had not had a producer before. So he was a little reluctant to. It was me and Mo Egger working on his show. And here's these two stupid 20 and 30 something year olds coming in you know trying to produce Jim Scott show and we didn't always hit it off at first but something happened was no matter whether we got along or not we all cared about winning and we all wanted to win and once we all realized we were on the same page there something clicked and then there was magic and and then Jim won a Marconi award and then Jim was number one for years and years so and Mo wasn't always part of that but That's when it all started is when Mo and I were producing that show.
0: In this business, you meet a lot of people, a lot of different people, and sometimes a celebrity or an athlete will walk in the door and they're just doing a taped interview, or you get to interview them yourself. Who's the coolest person you've run into in communications broadcasting from when you first started out to now?
1: I I grew up being a big fan of a band called The Police, and I got to meet Sting twice because Brian Douglas when I worked at Q102 he and I worked there together and he was at Q102 for 25 years Um, but he he I was at the Sting concert and he came over he's like hey there's an after party at the Vernon Manor and I was like well man I got to get up in the morning whatever he's like no no man you want to go to the show or you go to this party and so I went and then all of a sudden I'm talking to him and I see some members of Sting's band walk in I was like hey that's cool the drummer from the band here still not clicking with me that Sting's going to walk in at any minute So I got to meet him and you're always afraid to meet someone that you really, really like because they might turn out to be a turd. And Sting was not a turd. And there there were a few that I met along the way that that were. But I've I've been fortunate to meet a lot of very talented people. And thanks for asking. I really don't talk about it much because I don't want to be that guy. But um, yeah, Sting was Sting was a biggie. Elton John's another. I got to meet Robert De Niro. Brian and I went to the Grammy Awards in 1990. So we met a lot of people at the Grammys in, in 1990 and had a heck of a lot of fun there, too.
0: When you're at those events, for me personally, I think some people look at it because I work more on the sports side. So running into different athletes or seeing different athletes or broadcasters and People think it's cool and they're like, oh it has to be so cool do you get an autograph Did you ha-? like I personally I'm like no I don't want any of that I, you just do your job and athletes aren't that big of a deal to me they're cool they have a great job and it's awesome to get to do that but like it doesn't really change for me when I'm around them but I think if it's like a you know an actor or actress or a musician to run into them it's like okay hold on this is pretty cool so yeah. ever have any of those moments where you're like okay I like this I can't believe this is my job.
1: Yeah, well, and Sting was one. Elton John, Cher, but but probably like you do. Even when you meet those people, you still have to you have to be cool. And if you're in the right setting, if you're backstage and you know you're wearing the VIP pass or whatever, then it's okay to ask for an autograph. If if you're at a party and they happen to be there, then it's not as cool. So it all it all depends on the moment. But yeah, it was. Uh, I, of course i get geeked out you just can't act like you're geeked out
0: no you can tell your you to tell your friends when you leave like you won't believe what i just did or who i just saw but right. when you're there you're like i'm cool this isn't a big deal um,
1: oh yeah you can't do that i,
0: I totally understand that and honestly I, I think that when you're when you're a kid or there are people who want to grow up and, and be in the broadcasting communications public relations any business on this side, they think, oh, it's so cool. Um, you make all the money in the world, you have these uh-huh. awesome hours and there's challenges. And that's one thing that if I'm talking to college students and I go over to UC and, and talk about that, I obviously wanna be honest with them and talk about the hard part. You know, I feel like you spend the first part of these jobs just working really hard and working more than one job and, it, and it's totally normal. What are some of the biggest challenges that you faced in this business and then just today how you're dealing with you know working during a pandemic and how that really affects the day-to-day
1: well as far as working at broadcasting some of the challenges were first just getting that that first chance because just like many other jobs not just broadcasting but a lot of jobs the job description says you know experience you know need three to five years experience blah blah, blah. and it's like well how can i get experience if i don't get the job and There was a program director named Jetson at 97X, and I just bugged the crap out of him until he finally hired me. And I wasn't very good, but he did hire me, put me on overnight Saturday into Sunday mornings. And so that's how I was able to get a little bit of experience. Um, So that was one of the toughest challenges. And then just getting to a place where to make enough money. I was working at, when I was working at Q102, I was also working at Kings Island, which was the job I had had since I was in high school and was making more money at Kings Island than I was at Q102 at the time. But I was also, I wasn't full-time at Q102, so just to be fair, but just getting to a place where, where the money's comfortable. And I learned after I left radio, at least, look, if you're on the air, you're probably going to do Okay, especially at somewhere like WLW or Q102, if you've been there a while, Um, and I think things used to be different. I think right before I was in broadcasting, I think that that people were paid maybe a little bit more. But then when I left broadcasting and found out how much money you could make outside of broadcasting, it was a little bit of a shock to me, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. I would. I would not trade that, those first 40-some years of my life and being in radio and all that for anything because I just had great experiences and um, I, I wouldn't trade it. But when I went and I left radio and went to work for a not-for-profit, hang on, I lost you here. There you are. Uh, when I left radio and went to work for a not-for-profit, and and learned that I could make more money right out of the chute and, and my friends were saying well that's really nice of you that you left you know you, you left WLW and you went to help people and I'm like well I did but you know that that was one of the challenges was just trying to get paid what what you should be worth and you probably experienced a little bit of that.
0: Definitely. And I think the biggest thing you talk about experience and if I go back and if there's anything that I would change, I think going through college, I would have taken more internships and just how important those are, because at the end of the day, when you talk about the experience at a college and and how you get it, I feel like the employer that you work for, at least on the communication side is really looking for your experience. And obviously it's important to have a degree, Um, that doesn't work in all cases or it's necessary, but the best part is what has that person done and and gaining that experience through internships. And I think that's one thing. If I look back on what I would have changed, I would have done more internships while I was in college and getting college credit for it. But speaking of internships, because this was kind of a big topic a couple of weeks ago on social media, and I'm sure you saw it. A lot of people feel like you should be getting paid for those internships. And I'll be completely honest. I didn't really have a voice in this and in, in put anything out there on social media. Um, I, I took an internship for free. Uh, I worked mm-hmm. the internship. I did 18 credit hours. I worked part-time job. I thought that was pretty normal and I was gaining the experience and that experience. And I, I will always be thankful for my internship experience because it led to other jobs. But now people are like, oh no, you shouldn't be taking those. You, you should be getting paid for those. How do you feel- about internships, and do you think that they should be paid? I,
1: as far as internships in general, you are you are spot on. That if you have the opportunity to get experience in the field in which you want to work, one of two things can happen. One, you can go in there work your ass off, and then and get a job out of it. And that's what that's what Mo did. Mo was my intern at Seven Hundred WLW, and he worked his butt off and then when somebody didn't show up one day i said hey do you want to run the board and then he said sure and now he has a job and he's you know doing afternoons on on a radio station for that for that company and so yes internships are very important as far as getting paid i learned that as well in broadcasting it was always it was just you did it for college credit you didn't get paid and i imagine it's still that way Um, As far as other places I've worked, that people did get paid. I think if you can get paid for it, do it. If it's something that helps you along, helps you get where you want to be, and you can take a year and a half or two years and not get paid with the understanding that this is the experience you need and your chance to shine and to show off and show that you deserve to be in that field, then if you can afford to do it, then do it. The internship is about experience and it's not about getting paid. If you can get paid for it, take the pay. But I I think if if you can get the experience and someone is giving you the opportunity, you're you're being paid in experience and opportunity. And it's your job to go in and just work your butt off so that either a you get a job there or someone there helps you get a job in the field.
0: Yeah, And I agree with that. And I think looking back in just my first couple of years in, in broadcasting or even on the radio side, I think about how much has changed uh, from the jobs on social and social media to the different platforms. I remember signing up for Twitter because I wanted to book a <laughs> guest on Twitter. And I thought, well, this is the best way I can reach out to Rachel Nichols. I'll, I'll reach out to her on Twitter. Yeah. Fortunately, it worked out. But uh, and then I got addicted to the app and it's one of my favorites. What do you think about social media and how much it really has changed in this business with just the different jobs that are out there. And then obviously it can get people in trouble and it can be a lot of fun too. I, I think it's been a positive. Um, there are times when you need to log out, but, but what yeah. about you?
1: I think technology as a whole is, it, it lands on both sides of the fence. I think there are tremendous, there, there's tremendous value to technology and social media And in the field that I'm in now, you know, doing public relations and communications, obviously we use that for our clients and they benefit from it. There's a lot of good to it, even if it's just grandma's on Facebook because she wants to see pictures of her grandkids. That's all good stuff. There is a downside to it, and a lot of it's on your favorite platform, Twitter, where it's it's can be angry and just a place where people go and yell at each other. And, and now we're seeing, you know, uh, disinformation be, being spread through social media. So there's a downside to it, too. But, you know, you could say that about just about everything, that there's a good and a bad side. So if, if you use it for the right reasons, and I always when I post something, I try to think, think of it as a news release that I'm sending on a news release about myself. And there's a chance that my dogs are about to go crazy, by the way, my wife That's
0: is life, that's normal.
1: <laughs> anyway, um, I think that I think there's plenty of good to social media, there's plenty of good to technology, but just like everything else, there are downsides and it's, it's all in how you use it. What I was going to say is I, when I post something, I, I never post anything negative. And even though there are some times I might be standing in line somewhere or got bad customer service, I don't, I don't post those things, even though I might want to partially because those people might end up being a client down the road or somebody that I run into. And I don't, I don't want to have trouble there, but the other is just why, why feed into that?
0: Yeah. And I get, uh, I get in trouble a little too much for being too optimistic on Twitter. People They don't <laughs> like that. They're like, you're too yeah. positive. I mean, for example, right now, three agents <laughs> are going on in the NFL and I'm out here just being like, you know what? There's another day, another player. Seems to mind, and. All, all of that stuff. So sometimes people get a little too optimistic and I like it. I'd rather be optimistic than negative on, on any social media app. And that's how I feel about Twitter, but advice, what advice would you give to someone who wants to get into public relations, communications, broadcasting, radio, TV?
1: Well, I left 700 WLW almost 10 years to right now. It was on opening day of 2011 and decided I wanted to go do something for a for a better cause being in radio 25 years we did we did some lousy things and just wanted to do something a little bit nicer and I am sorry about the dogs but it's okay
0: (laughs) it's normal
1: anyway so I wanted to go do something better than that but what I found, at least in my journey, was, and I didn't plan it this way, I went to work for a not for profit, the National MS Society, the Ohio Valley Chapter, which is in. Went to work for the Ohio Valley Chapter of the National MS Society, which is in Blue Ash. And, and what I found there was that was the perfect first step for me. To, to switch from broadcasting to public relations. My next job was at the Cincinnati Chamber, uh, the Cincinnati USA Regional Chamber. Had I gone directly from 700 WLW to the chamber, I would have been way, way out of my league. So just doing that step, and I didn't intend for it to be a stepping stone, it's just things worked out that way. And went from there to the chamber, and then the chamber helped me to the point where I, you know, I grew there, learned more, and now I'm working with Jackie Rowe at Game Day. And Jackie is the absolute best PR person in Cincinnati and 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 more, sports gambling expert, esports expert, a lot of things. And there's so much I can learn from her. So, you know, I'm really 10 years into this job and still learning.
0: I think one of the biggest mistakes a lot of people make, and, and we just talked about social media too. And you look on that, and you see what everyone's doing. It's a comparison game. And I think in this business alone, when I think of advice and what you tell other people who want to get into it is you really can't watch what everyone's doing. And, and when you left WLW, I'm sure that wasn't an easy decision for you. That took pros and cons and and why you want to do it and maybe get a little more of a normal schedule at the same time. What was that like when you decided, all right, I'm going to leave this to go to this?
1: It was scary. I had been at, at WLW for 18 years and just one of our, you know, you and I worked together at that time. One of our coworkers left and I was jealous of him. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. I've always wanted to work in radio and I'm working at one of the great radio stations in this country and just was, I had realized I was done with it. I was also in an interim role at the time as the interim program director and learning that I was going from doing radio, which is what I like to do, to at least in this case, and I don't think this applies to all program directors, but in this case, it was a lot of spreadsheets and conference calls and not getting to do radio. Just it seemed like you know, I could be doing that at any job, and so I was missing that. I was also realizing that whatever someone said on the air at that point then became my that was on me, then you know, because I was in that interim role as the program director, that, that that was on me and not on the guy who used to be in that job. And that's when you're working at a very controversial type radio station. And that's what makes that's what makes WLW tick. Um, there were a lot of reasons, but that's why I finally decided that I wanted to go do something different. And I called a friend of mine that worked in uh, the not-for-profit world. I saw a job that was open at the Leukemia and, Le- Leukemia and Lymphoma Society and being their communications person. I called my friend who was at the National MS Society and said, hey, do you know anyone over there? And she said, Are are you leaving? I said, Yeah, I'm gonna, I think I wanna get out of radio. And she said, Well, let me figure some things out. And if if I can, will you come work here? And that's pretty much how that went down. Three days later, I had a job at the National MS Society. So that worked out okay. And it was a tough decision. And even, you know, for the first year or two, I still really missed radio, but never really wanted to go back. And it's I think it was. I think it was the Sunday right after I left, got out of radio is when, is when they took out bin Laden and it was Sunday night at like 10 or 11 o'clock when it was announced. Nice. And I sat on my couch and I was like, okay, what do I need to do? Because when you're a radio producer, especially for a news talk station, it's like, okay, well, you know, what guests do I need to line up for tomorrow morning? Who do we need to have on the air? Who needs to be on right now? And I just, was I like? What do I need to do? If the answer was nothing. Was just go to bed, and go to a, a job where you don't have to do that. But I, I'm, I will always be a broadcaster at heart, and I think that really helps me in my current job. But yes, it was a tough decision, but one I'm very happy I made.
0: No, and I think sometimes you you look at that, and it's what you want to do. It, it's time for you. And as you mentioned, you had that experience, and you had those opportunities and those relationships that turned into really great friendships. So I, I think that's great. I think you had that and to walk away because I know, I remember because I worked with you, how good you were at your job at both Thank jobs that I was extremely bummed when I, when I heard you were leaving. But at the same time, you've been doing some awesome stuff. And currently you're working over at Game Day Communications. You mentioned Jackie Rowe. What's the day-to-day like over there? And it feels like, knock on wood, I'm an optimistic person, but it feels like things are getting back to normal or we're going to see more events happening in Cincinnati, but what's the day-to-day like there when you were working during a pandemic to now? Uh,
1: it's, it's much like radio in that every day is a little bit different. and And I'm on the other side now, where I used to be the guy booking the guests for the radio station, something that you used to do as well. Now I'm the person pitching the guests and trying to get on, getting our guests on TV and radio stations. So it's a lot of the same where it used to be in radio, you know, if we could get a, we could get John McCain on the air or Sarah Palin or someone like that, or Condoleezza Rice. That was a big get. And then you had that high of I got this great guest on the air. Now it's the other way around where we were able to get our clients on the shows. And, and, you know, if you can get on uh, last week, I did a tour with one of our clients and, this indiv- we were able to book this individual on all four TV stations, on two radio stations, and then in, did interviews with two newspapers. And that felt pretty darn good. So that was one of those big days where, you know, just the other way around. And I don't know if I answered your question, but every, every, what's every day like? Every day is different. It just depends on which client has a story that's worth sharing. And, and having that broadcasting background and knowing what a good story is Is what really helps because sometimes we're able to just tell our clients you know that's not that's nice that you're that you have a three dollar off coupon this week or whatever that might be and that's a stretch but but that's not a news story you know being able to like work on it and say well but what about this you know what if what if you did rather than three dollars off you gave you know twenty percent of your of what you bring in to some charity and then we do an interview that way just finding that angle to to make what they're doing a news story and be able to share that
0: tell we had, well we had betsy ross and jackie Rowe on this podcast a couple of times over the past year and mm-hmm. they're fantastic they do amazing things they're in brilliant the area what have you learned from working with both of them
1: uh to actually what it's not so much what i've learned although i've learned a lot it's the way that that I'm treated there and that's treated like I know what I'm doing and they let me be me and they allow me to trust myself where this happened in broadcasting and it's happened in this career too, where for a long, long time, I, I felt like a fraud, you know, that I don't know how I'm getting by, but I'm getting by, they haven't caught on to me yet. And then after a while, it was like, you know what? I'm pretty good at this. And because of the way that Jackie and Betsy, they trust me and the way they treat me, I feel very confident. And I actually found a lot of confidence in the last year in this job, working from home and going through something that none of us have ever gone through before. And I think I hit my stride during the pandemic and because they just let me be me and let me do my job and not micromanage me, managing me the whole time. I have a lot of confidence now in what I do. Not cockiness, but confidence in what I do. And I, I feel like I'm, I'm finally pretty good at, at being a PR guy.
0: I wouldn't say pretty good. I'd say you're, you're great. Give well, yourself a little you. more credit. Thank you. Rich Wahlberg, <laughs> where can fans find you over on the social media apps?
1: I'm on Instagram mostly. And I think that's at Rich Wahlberg. And then Facebook, just search Rich Wahlberg. And I'm on Twitter, but I'm not on there that often because that's just, you know, that's where you go on and say all those nice things.
0: Just follow him anyways, Rich Wahlberg. One of the best, you'll find him over at Game Day Communications and events around Cincinnati as soon as everything gets going. Here's to opening day and, and a fun baseball season coming up. I can't thank you enough for joining on the Sideline Podcast.
1: Thanks, Lindsay. It was very nice of you to ask.